Welcome to the Tell Janice Radio Show, where you will hear inspiring stories about life, love, and labor from amazing women to help lift you up. Now, here's your host, Janice. Thanks very much, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy that you're listening, and I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest today. But before we get started, I wanted to remind you that if you know of a fabulous female that you would like me to give a shout-out to with a few words of encouragement, acknowledgement, or congratulations, please let me know their names by clicking on the link at telljanice.com. My guest today is Joanne Duggan of Plan C Strategies. She is an emotional intelligence expert out of Lexington, Massachusetts, and Joanne is in the business of helping people help themselves to achieve authentic success and outrageous happiness. Her topic today will be uh, all about worry and fear and what are they good for. Joanne has been on the show before, and I'm so excited to have her on again as a return guest. This is going to be one of three topic series, and welcome to the show, Joanne. I'm just thrilled to have you on. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm thrilled to be with you as well. And I just love the topic. I think we can all benefit from um, some strategies to deal with worry and fury. Um, I wanted to also start with having you tell our guests a little bit about yourself and how you got started in this business of Plancy Strategies. Can you start with that? Sure. Um, the uh, the quick story is that uh, I was born to do the work that I do. Um, uh, this is beyond just a profession; it is a calling. Um, and um, I uh, I come from a very dysfunctional, emotionally dysfunctional, not physically. I had all of my you know my needs met, but uh, it was uh, my father was very verbally abusive. And my mother let him. Um, she just stood by and let him do it. Um, and so uh, I grew up in that environment, thought it was all my fault. Uh, and when, once I reached adulthood, I spent uh, many years trying to figure out what was me, what was them, and what could I do about the mess that had been created. Uh, at this point in my life, I am middle-aged, uh, and I have a lot of answers as to what my path was, what the practical path was, um, and, uh, and that's what I work with in terms of the clients that I help. I think that we all have the idea of who we should be. Uh, then we find out that there's reality, and while there are parts of us that match what we think we should be, there's also parts of our lives that don't match that. And I think people, uh, you know, get very afraid and don't know what to do. So I've figured out strategies around understanding what fear is, understanding what worry is, that's what we're going to talk about today, so that you then can control what you do as a result. So, um, and that's what we'll be following up with in the other conversations. So, um, so it's really my lifelong path, starting with my very dysfunctional family, <laughs> and right. then reality I- out. You know, and again, there's what I thought was going to happen, and then there's what has happened, and uh, and here I am. Well, you are a perfect example of coming from a dysfunctional family and lifting yourself up to get through that. 
Um, and it's terrific that you're doing this and in, in your in your work and your life to help other people. Um, can we start with what the difference is between worry and fear? Absolutely. That is a great place to start. Okay. So um, I've just really recently come to understand how important the differentiation between those two is because I've known for a long time how important fear was in terms of how badly most of the impact of fear on how badly most of us feel and behave, you know, um, you know, either we're really fake on the outside, which is stressful, or we really let it all hang out, or we, you know, something in between, which is, you know, more acceptable, but nonetheless, again, people don't know what to do. Um, so fear, fear is what we are naturally programmed to do. We are hardwired for it. There is so, the more I read the more I see how long this piece of information has been out there and how important it is and how much it gets left out in the, you know, what do you do part around, you know, again, managing your the stress in life, managing what shows up, because all of our stress, all of our problems start with the fear response. The fear response happens deep in the brain, in the limbic system, in its most primal place, and the and and it's and and you can't stop it. Our brains are our brains, and they were uh, organized to do what they do for so much longer than the culture that we currently live live in, and we can't change our brains' reactions and responses to the stimulus around us. The stimulus around us is nonstop, and our brains are often, to greater or lesser degrees, misfiring in reaction to all of the stimulation around us, because the primal brain is supposed to keep us alive. The thing is that what we are now being the stimulation that we're overwhelmed with is not about keeping us alive. We are alive. Most of us who are probably listening to this have uh, shelter and food to some degree taken care of. And once you take that out of the equation, then all the other things in life are things that happen. So, but the brain is programmed to seek out what's going to threaten me from staying alive. And when we don't have to worry about the basics, we then react to the fear that's created by all the other stimulation. Is this making sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I understand, I'm sure our listeners too, that we, we are um, hardwired for fear. Um, but you mentioned that you can manage the worry aspect of it. Okay. So, okay, so fear happens, okay? Worry is what the immediate response, the thought process is to the fear, okay? And worry is, oh, my God, there isn't enough. <clears throat> Excuse me. There isn't enough. There's not enough of me. There's not enough of someone else. There's not enough of something, okay? Right. 
And so our brains start from the fear, start thinking about the thing that we that the fear pointed to. Okay? Right. So um the worry though is the undisciplined brain thought response. What I offer is you the fear you can't stop. That is it's a totally, you know, it's an undisciplined brain response and you can't stop it. Worry are thoughts that you can stop. Those that's you're making a decision when you think the worried thoughts that come after. So again, um uh well, first of all, does that make sense? Oh, it does. And can you help our listeners and and even myself, can you walk us through the steps involved in stopping the worry response? Yes. Okay. So, um, fear happens. It shows up. What you're looking for at that point is not beforehand, oh, my God, is there fear coming? Am I going to be afraid? It's not about that. You live your life, okay, because you can't be in hyper alert. So you live your life. It's observing yourself when your mind goes to an extreme place. So, for instance, um, oh, what's something? Uh, Okay, here. Um, uh, uh, well, let me tell you a story, okay, Th- that Great. really clarified the fear and worry piece for me, okay? Mm-hmm. And that is that um, I went to an event that I thought was going to be social. It turned out to be more like an encounter group um, And uh, in any case, and I really didn't want to go to an encounter group. Um, I, I've done that before, and it's, you know, I think it's wonderful, but it's just not where I'm, you know, again, I thought I was going to a social event. It was all my fault that I was not more clear on what the evening was about. In any case, so what the conversation and the encounter group session was, uh, what do you see for the future, okay? And um, everyone that spoke uh, started with, I worry about or I'm afraid. And what they mm-hmm. talked about, not enough money, what their health was going to be, what, um, you know, what was, if they were single, were they going to meet somebody? If they were married, were they going to stay married? So it didn't really, all the subjects were about personal issues, but they were life issues. But everybody was worried about what was you know, about those things, okay? Now, mm-hmm. what I tried to contribute to the evening is that, of course, you're afraid of what's going to happen. The thing is, though, that is what fear does. It puts you into the future. And you don't know what's going to happen, which is also true. And so what I again offered, which is a direct question, you know, direct answer to what you're saying, and that is notice when you get afraid and when you're worrying, which means that you're thinking about the future, you know, and what might happen. And and again, and worrying is it's only about, you know, negative, 
you don't worry happy, you worry negative. So that's, you know, that's what the word means. You're thinking negative thoughts about the future or the past, but let's just stick with the future based on this particular story, okay? What mm-hmm. came back to me, and I think, th- and I'm adding this story in because I think this is an important hook that I discovered, and that was people worry because they think they're being responsible. If they're not, again, if somebody says, how are things going? And you go, well, you know, the kid's not so sure. I'm a little worried. And say, oh, I know. Okay? At least you're doing something. Now, you don't even have to be specific. All you have to say is kids. Worried. Okay? And people commiserate together. And people join together. And it's a legitimate thing to do. The problem is it doesn't actually do anything. It makes you feel awful. makes you feel impotent. Um, it gets you sick, depending upon how much you worry. Um, but, you know, just in terms of life. So what, can you, what you can notice to stop worrying is that, A, worrying is not doing something. It is pretend doing something. Worrying is just making you think negative thoughts about the future or the past, but it's not accomplishing anything. So people have to, again, if they want to buy into this construct, they have to say, you know what, I, get, I, 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 I take responsibility for the fact that when I worry, it's just me thinking negative thoughts that make me feel lousy about the future or the past, and, you know, or even right now, which is not really taking care of, it's not doing anything. So, and then the next piece is stopping and asking yourself, what is it that I'm really afraid of? And right. staying with that question. Because oftentimes, if you can break it down to, you know, what you're really afraid. And again, what all those women had in common was they're afraid of the future and what it's going to bring. Now, I have to say to you, well, what can you do right now about your future? Because worrying about it isn't going to do anything but bring about, you know, years of fear. How does one, you know, if you're aging, there are things that people can do, you know, in order to prepare and to, you know, again, it's about, it's back to people get, they they have the, the human experience based on the primal needs of the brain to feel fear. And then they buy into the fact that wor- that the fear is real and that worrying about it is doing something about it because they don't really know what else to do. Right. It's it's almost like um, you become immobile and, and then you're not being proactive, correct? Well, I think people believe that they're being – that's what I learned from this evening. These women really wanted to – you know, they, 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 and again, you know, it went badly quickly because it was, you know, they all, again, it, it was an interesting evening. I learned a lot from it. But, um, 
they might just saying you fear happens, but you don't have to worry. They came back with no, oh no, no, no. Not to worry is being irresponsible. You cannot not worry. So you, in essence, you are in a room full of worried people. That doesn't seem very yeah. pro- proactive. What was that all about? Well, what do you mean? Well, if, if you were in a room, I mean, why would they gather this type of, I don't know what kind of event it was, just to talk about well, everything it, it that they're worried an, about. It, yes. I thought it was a social gathering of yeah. uh, middle-aged women, and it turns out that it was uh, in a, a pre, you know, it, it was an encounter group. So I that see. they were speaking like that was fine, but I wanted to, even when you're talking about that, well, I have to tell you, I'm around worried people all the time. That's what people do. People are worried. There's two books that have really affected um, my message even more. I mean, I've been talking about this for years, but there's, uh, there's a book called The Culture of Fear, written by a guy named Barry Glasner. And what he says is that we have been whipped up by so many messages. Again, back to the onslaught. We're not out trying to, you know, get our next meal per se in terms of killing. Um, Hold on one second. Okay. Um, Thank you. My throat is a little bit dry, so I'm taking a sip of water. Thank you. Um, uh, Okay, so we're not out seeking to kill our food, okay, or seeking to prepare our food from scratch um, and growing our food and so forth and so on, which is really what our job is as people, that and to reproduce and then stay alive. That's it. And everything else is complete icing on the cake, which means that we are now living mostly in icing. Um, And it's very thick and sticky um, in any case. Uh, As to a more relevant metaphor, we still have, again, the fear. And we, because we're not... um, uh, uh, in basic survival mode, the messages that we receive still feed into the impulses of the brain so that we are very, very afraid. And what we're afraid of are not real fears. Right. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, again, um, He says, why Americans are afraid of the wrong thing, crime, drugs, minorities, teen moms, killer kids, mutant microbes, plane crashes, road rage, and so much more. And I found it so fascinating because, again, you know, I remember a number of years ago a friend of mine who has unfortunately passed away, Marty Sender, but he he was a newscaster here in uh, the Boston area, and I kept saying to him, explain to me why news is bad news. And he said, that's what people are interested in. Well, I don't, you know, what is it about the muck and the, you know, why is that what news is? The murders, the crashes, 
um, given the fact that so many amazing things are happening. I mean, I'm not here to say mm-hmm. that that's important, but um, why only certain stories get covered and not others? Um, and, again, a lot of it is, uh, you know, again, appealing to the primal brain. Well, I think that's part of the problem with with the news. It is all negative, almost completely. And I've noticed some shows recently are putting some, you know, uh, positives in the, at the end. But they're they're trying to draw the audience by putting all kinds of worry in us just because we're going to watch it. Which is why I don't. I try to stay away from the watching the news just for that reason. Well, yes, and that is, you know, a a noble effort, you know, because, again, you know, who decided that what goes on the TV news is news? Having said that, though, in our lifetime, we've gone from, you know, a handful of TV stations to now, you know, a quadrillion television stations to say nothing of 90 billion other ways of accessing images and information and again, what people seek out is information about things that they're worried about. You know, who hasn't had a sore throat and gone on the internet and you know typed into Google, you know, did it, you know, whatever. And then you know, you get back and everybody know, oh, I shouldn't pay attention to this, but we read it. In any case, so it's so easy to 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 again uh, to have that. Fear be motivated, you know, be brought mm-hmm. up. So we are living in a culture of fear. Again, great book. Can't recommend it enough because, again, there's a lot that we get afraid of that really there's no reason. It's fantasy. It's Disney. Right. Um, so that's one book. Um, another book that I've read that's very interesting is called Worry. Controlling It and Using It Widely by a guy, Edward Hallowell. Um, and, uh, and this book, what he talks about that I think is very interesting, and that is there's fear, and then there's worry, and there's different kinds of worry. So, for instance, he talks about the kind of worry that people have where um, it, you know, it's panic attacks versus the kind of person that has negative thought process, that they're just, you know, they're used to thinking negatively and, you know, and they just don't really, haven't ever thought about it any other way. Um, but they'd like to think positively, but they really don't know how. Um, they, he also describes um, uh, the, the kind of person that's had a traumatic event, so the sort of post-traumatic stress disorder now kind of worrying, and on the ranges within all of those that people can be affected. So there are some people that have certain OCD, you know, again, compulsive disorders that cause them to worry a lot, but it might be just that, you know, like, man, I don't know. You know, it's not a constant. It doesn't, you know, affect all areas of their lives to those people who, you know, it really impacts, you know, every minute of their day. So mm-hmm. if you're on a lower end of those different kinds of worries, 
there's different kinds of treatments. If you're on the higher ends, it becomes obviously a more complicated issue. So what I'm really referring to are people who have, um, as he would say, the kind of worry where you're just thinking negatively. You just do it. You didn't, you know, you n- no one ever taught you to think positively. Um, and uh, and again, because it's not about thinking about the future in some kind of like you know rose-colored glasses, happy-go-lucky way. Um, it's again about um, really uh, observing the fear. The, the the next, when it shows up, the next question is, what are you really afraid of, okay, and what can you do about it right now? And beyond that, which again we'll get into the next phase, which is how to listen to what it is and really hear what you're thinking. So many people don't hear what they think because they're so used exactly. to saying to themselves what they to thinking what they the thoughts they think and that they really don't slow it down and go wait a minute listen to this with some objectivity so it's a very you know and again and we just do it we just do it so um well i think you know i i have experience with friends that um, think exactly like that. It's it's always negative, you know, or if I'm dealing with my children and they're worried about something and I've started to tell myself and friends, you know, what's the worst case scenario? And like you said, normally we're not living in a, a you know, flight or fear or flight, however that is put. We, yes, we have our flight. needs. Yeah, fight or flight. We have our needs taken care of. Our basic needs are normally taken care of, right? So um, I've also started something in in my life, like just tell me something good. You know, (laughs) get my mind off of worrying about whatever is going to happen in the future is not a proactive way to live. So just, you know, trying to change my thought processes and thinking what's what's the good in my life and what I'm grateful for. That is fantastic, absolutely, because, again, it's, you know, in most cases, it's uh, about feeling positive. I mean, that is fundamentally what self-confidence is. It's feeling that what you're doing, you're doing a good effort. You're, you're, you're mm-hmm. leading with the best possible um, you know, uh, part of who you are. And what I want to offer to you is I don't want people to feel like you have fear, then you start worrying, then you distract yourself, the fear dies down, then you have fear, then you worry, then you distract yourself with other thoughts. It's not about that. It's about really learning how to calm the fear down. The more I focus on doing what I'm speaking with you about because I live this every minute of every day Um, and I'm you know I'm I've been doing this for a number of years now and I will tell you there are still times where I get really you know just something happens and I just wig out and you know I mean again stuff happens in life I'm not calm all the time having said that 
when I think if I could write a list of what I used to get upset about, what I used to worry about, how much time I used to spend being upset, thinking about what I was upset about, worrying about it, what I was going to do about it, and not really doing anything beyond that about it, that was like two-thirds of my life. Now it's like 1%. That's great. Because again, my needs are taken care of, and I am so grateful for that. Right. And we haven't talked about um, your efforts and your definitions um, and cognitive training, and I think that that's really what we're talking about here is, um, you know, your theories about cognitive training and how to help with uh, fear and worry. And so our next show is going to be how to listen to what it is that we are worried about, right? How to listen to it and what to do to, again, be responsible for what really is going on. How do you identify what the fear, what you're really reacted to, what the fear really was? And again, how do you focus that right here, right now? How do you, you know, again, understand it? It's the emotional intelligence part. Emotional intelligence isn't about being emotionally smart. It's about understanding what the messages are that you're receiving by your reactions. Right, right. Um, do you have any uh, special offerings for our listeners, Joanne? You and I didn't talk about this, and I also want you to let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you. Okay. Um, in terms of special offer. Um, I am working very uh, conscientiously on my book. When my book comes out, I will put it up on your website, and anyone that orders it through that will get it for uh, just the cost of shipping and handling. That's so terrific. the book will Okay. So, um, and in terms of how someone can get in touch with me, best way to get in touch with me is to text or call me at six one seven. And again, it's, you know, people need to understand, you have to feel fear. You have to. It's what you do after that that you're in control of. Right. uh, and, And again, and that is totally achievable and I don't give people, tell them what to do. What I do do is I help them to make proactive decisions based on who they are, what's most important to them. Right. Um, uh, and based on, you know, again, the past and the future, um, because you can't deny that either. But mostly it's about focusing it on now. So, yes, that's what we'll talk about. Well, I'm looking forward to our our next segment about worry and fear. And today we've been talking to Joanne Duggan of Plan C Strategies. We talked about worry and fear. And um, you are so inspirational. And I think this is such a relevant topic for our society today. And I look forward to our next interview. Thank you so much for being on the show, Joanne. Well, thank you so much, Janice, for the opportunity to speak with you and your audience about something that is so, so important. Um, You know, uh, again, can't live fear-free, but sure can live with little, little worry, and it feels great. 
Well, this has been very helpful to our audience. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thank you, Jenna. Ladies, I am so happy that you tuned in today and learned from our amazing, fantastic female guests, and I hope you recognize this as an opportunity to pass their knowledge on to your daughters and friends and share the wisdom of the ages. I'll talk to you again soon, and in the meantime, let's lift each other up, spread the love, and share an attitude of gratitude. You've been listening to the Tell Janice Radio Show. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest a guest for the show, or if you would like to nominate a fabulous female for a shout-out by Janice on the live show, please visit www.telljanice.com. Please share this episode with your social network and help us lift women up. Join us next week for another episode of Tell Janice. How do you help business owners think differently about their businesses? Well, uh, you know, I think that there's a range of business owner, right? So, and I provide a couple of different services. On the, on the coaching and consulting side of my business, I think that's what I truly do is, is I help to educate. I think that's the key word, educate business owners on both their opportunities as well as I open their eyes up to what they need to commit to. Uh, certainly when it comes to a personal brand uh, and certainly when it comes to their own business, if, if it's a smaller business, right? So, right. you know, I, I educate them on their opportunities. I help them to uncover and really visibly see, you know, who their target audience is online, what their online behaviors are, how to engage them in an authentic way, which is not a piece of cake. You know, it's not like what I'm talking about, steps one, two, and three. It actually does take time, effort, and uh, it takes listening. And that's really what social media was born on, which was data mining. So for business owners, um, and that's why I'm launching on my on my back end of my site, um, starting in October, I'm launching from October through about, let's say, January, February, six different courses, all kind of crash courses, all very much for smaller business owners or, you know, business owners that have small businesses that are growing. So that's, you know, I think a small business owner versus someone that is either a mid-market decision maker or I've worked with enterprise level C-levels and their education is much, much different. You know, they've been in the game for a while. They're probably not seeing results and um, it's really about helping them to identify, you know, like, for example, I've worked with many manufacturing companies who've been doing business in a great way for a really long time in an old school kind of what I call like boys network of selling, but haven't used the web. So they need to think in a different way, um, but still leverage their own business processes. Can you share a little bit about yourself to our guest? Sure. So once upon a time, I was a physical therapist, and I had a few bright ideas. So before I knew it, I became an entrepreneur. And over the course of time, I had three fabulous companies, and each one of them grew exponentially. So for example, one of them was an infomercial company that sold hair products for uh, African Americans and Hispanics. And within the first six months, we sold $12 million worth of product. So as you can imagine, that's kind of astronomical growth. And what I learned was that a person who's a physical therapist without any business experience really can get into a lot of trouble. 
So as good as those companies were, I literally almost grew broke three times. So I had to learn something about business at that point. So that was my beginning. And then for the last 15 years, I've been guiding uh, companies in growing and succeeding and working with their people, their strategy, their execution, and their cash management. So that's who I am. Well, that's, that's terrific. Um, your logo says scaling for growth is um, a big five for life enterprise. Can you tell more about the big five? Sure. So a few years ago, when the economy was really down, I met a fellow by the name of John Strelecki, who is an author of uh, several books. One of them is The Why Cafe, and another one is The Big Five for Life. And it's really all about knowing your purpose for existing, your own purpose, your business's purpose. And then what are the five things that you want to uh, experience or do in your life so that at the end of your life, you could say your life was a success. And that doesn't just mean money. It could be anything that you aspire to doing. And companies that instill the big five into their, with their employees really attract the right people and they retain them as well because the company then acknowledges their employees as people and find out what, you know, what interests them and what their big five would be so that they could support them. So we're a big five for life enterprise now. John has been very popular in the Netherlands and Germany. In fact, his book is one of his books, The Big Five for Life, has been on the bestseller list for 116 weeks. And wow. uh, another one of his books, uh, The Y Cafe, is also number one. So there's Big Five for Life coaches all over the world, but not in North America. 